Right. Hello. Yes, I know. It's the start of a podcast and you just want to get straight into it. But if you like this podcast, chances are you're probably going to like other podcasts made by Lush. Such as Tiny Revolutions, a podcast in which Tiff Stevenson interviews comedians like Sarah Pascoe and Nish Kumar about how comedy can be a force for social change. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, and chances are if you're listening to this, you're pretty good at the whole finding out where podcasts are thing. But as well as here, you can find podcasts by Lush on the Lush Player app. Okay, I'm done. Happy listening! Welcome to the Lush Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Graham, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Nuala Davies! Woo! Coming up in today's episode, we'll be talking all about summer. Within the episode, we'll be listening to three pieces of content. The first is with Jiggly and a special guest about their Desert Island Lush products. The second is with Charlie Moores and the charity Plant Life about my favourite hobby, plants. <laughs> and lastly, we hear from the stunning Beezy Alimi about his journey as an LGBTQ plus rights activist. We're going to talk about summer. Hey, that's cool. While we're in a basement in the dark. I love summer. Well, actually, no, I don't. My really? pale, my pale Irish skin is like. <laughs> what did you say when you? Oh, uh, that sun creams health and safety for Irish people. Um, yeah, I'm not so great at the summer. I'm more of a winter person, but I'm so open to talking about summer with you. Okay, like that's you. cool. Okay, we thought. When I was thinking about it, talking about summer, maybe summer of love. Oh, that's just cute. Oh, that it? is cute. Especially as you don't love the summer, it's going to be a... It's going to be a... We're going to roll reverse here. Yeah. I'm going to be the grim one. Sorry, I didn't mean that you're grim. Um, I meant that... Yeah, let's continue with the podcast. Oh, I just keep digging myself deeper <laughs> and deeper. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a, a serious question. Oh, okay. And you've got to answer as fast as you can. Okay. What are your favourite things to do in the summer? Drink, uh, go to the beach, mm-hmm. um, eat outside. That's kind of it. That's all my favourite things. What about you? Uh, I've, <laughs> I've written loads. Oh, okay. I've been thinking about it for about 48 hours. Okay. My favourite thing to do in the summer is also my favourite thing to do in all seasons, which is drink cocktails. Yeah, yeah. So I like that you were specific. I was just like, drink. Drink. Sitting in the garden with my coven pals watching the plants grow. <laughs> I can't believe I wrote a full sentence for that. You love plants. I do. Summer's a good time for plants. That, well, that's kind of one of my... I was never... I've never really been bothered about plants until I got a couple of house plants and now... Do you know <laughs> what you should do? This is a good thing to do in the podcast. I'm just totally hijacking. You should give people three top tips for looking after their house plants because you're really good with them. You know, t- honestly, no, all... I live in a greenhouse. It's because one of my walls is glass. Yeah, that's true. I literally just water them once, twice a week. Spray them. Yeah, I last water time them. I was over, you were spraying them, and I was like, this is a whole nother level. You were like rubbing the leaves, giving them a wee spritz. Well, you meant to Tell, clean the leaves. Whispering, so, whispering, I wasn't nothing. Do, I wasn't doing <laughs> she that. She was, I saw it. I wasn't doing that. I, um, I've got no... I, sometimes I... Anyway, I was gonna say I've got no huge personal connection with them other than it's nice when they're bigger and people. I don't. think you love them. I, do, I see yeah. it in your eyes. That's a big. Suppose. That's no, a big do, connection. Yeah, yeah. Love is a connection. No, it is. Okay, believe it or not. <laughs> one thing I read recently from the one of the places where I buy my plants, they've started to do articles, and one of them was clean your leaves so that they can photosynthesize. 
That's cute. Yeah. But in nature, like no one goes around cleaning the leaves in nature. Yeah, the the rain does though, doesn't oh, it? Oh, so be personify the rain. Mm. Be the rain. <gasps> I can't. Stand That's my the favorite rain. thing to do. Can we start a band called Personified Rain? And anyway, then my other digress. things I like to do in the summer are the smell of freshly cooked grass. Yeah. I feel like I'm in when Harry met Sally. <laughs> Am I Harry or Sally? You probably. Harry. He's more cynical. I think I'm Harry. Oh yeah, that's true. When it rains. Oh, I love that heavy, mm. intense rain and it's really, really warm but you're lying in bed and then when it starts to rain it gets a bit cold. You have your window open, you're a bit cold, you get under the blanket. I love that. That's gorgeous. Thunderstorms. Fab. Sorry, I just hijacked No, no, memory. last one's reading outdoors. I'm just going through them because they're going to make sense later. Right, okay. Which is incentive to keep listening <laughs> despite whether you're having a good time or not. <laughs> okay, so the first clip is... I'm going to let it be introduced by itself because it... It speaks for itself. It speaks for itself. Amazing. Quite literally. <laughs> I might start. Should we start? Should we start? Should we start? Should okay. we start? <clears throat> we'll cut that bit out. So... Oh, yeah, so we'll do... And then I'll do... Don't do the theme tune. We'll get a real theme tune made. I'll get I'll get a real theme tune with like a seagull or something. <clears throat> right, this is the official start now. <laughs> Hello everyone, it's me, Jiggly Paul, internet sensation. Hmm. Well, don't hum, I've not got to your bit yet, you've got to wait. And my castaway today is one of Lush's very first employees. Somehow she's still here. She can often be seen clambering up ladders onto roofs or rushing down the high street trying to scoop up injured animals. She's been described as a walking argument, an argument waiting to happen, and also that gobby orange thing. Always fighting animal testing. You often hear her before you see her. Yes, you've guessed it. I hope. Lush <laughs> Ethics Director, <laughs> Hilary Jones. Woo! Hello. Hello. Jiggly um, internet sensation. Internet sensation. So, argument waiting to happen. Um, would you say that's a fair intro? Yeah, I have to say that it's a fair... <laughs> How can I? How can I say it isn't fair? Unless we have an argument about it and yeah. prove it right. Yeah. Exactly. You've got me hoist on my own petard. Yeah. Out but here that's... on the island. Well, actually, we haven't quite made it to the island yet. We're in your house. We are. Which is very lovely. We're in this room. What would you call this room? Is it a front room, a sitting room, a living room, a Shut library? Up, a, it's my library. A draw. A library. It's how very my grand. Library. And what is is it Victorian semi? It is Victorian. <laughs> yes. I do like those. Do you? Well, obviously, I'm living yeah. in one. You are, yes. I think that's lined um, with books. Yes, it's a very beautiful room and it's very quiet. So I thought this would be a good time to figure out. Now, do you know what we're actually doing? We... Shall I explain it? Because Go on, have then. you listened to one of these before? I never listened to you. No, so I'll explain because obviously um, today is the spring equinox. Mercury is still in retrograde. So in the, you know. Spirit of clear communication, what I'm going to do is tell you what we're going to do. So basically I'm going to cast you away on a desert island. Mm -hmm. You've got five lush products that you're allowed to take with you from all time. Okay. Well, not the future because that wouldn't happen, but from the past. So you can take whatever you want. And I just want to know which, if you could choose which five lush products would you be stranded on the desert island with? What would they be? Oh, I'm going to cut it there. Cool. Um, we will find out one of Hillary's top five favourite products. But you're leaving us in suspense. But not before we talk about a couple of things. Okay, cool. That was mentioned in the podcast. First of all, 
How great is Hillary's description? I'm 100% jealous. <laughs> Hillary's class. <laughs> An argument waiting to happen, that is... Or that gobby orange thing. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that one day that's how I'm described. Yeah. I've, no, I, you've gotten much better. I'm just going to say people have said much nicer things about you. They say <laughs> nice things. Hillary's class. Um, I want to live in a Victorian semi. I, I, I just lost. I want a library. I want a library. Anyway, <laughs> what I really want to talk about is Mercury in retrograde. Okay. Mercury in retrograde. Can you explain what again? Mercury, I don't get out much. What Mercury in retrograde is. Well, I'm just going to use the powers of the internet for, for <laughs> some emotional support. Here we go. What does Mercury... I it's, Are you okay? It's a tongue twister. But Mer- no, to be honest, it's because Mercury is in retrograde that I can't even say it. Oh. And you'll Ooh. find out why. Three or four times a year. And this is interesting because this podcast was recorded a while ago, but Mercury actually is in retrograde again. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So, crazy. Three or four times a year, the planet Mercury is said to go to retrograde. That is to say that it moves in an opposite direction to planet Earth. La, 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 la. But this backwards movement is an illusion, similar to the one you experience when you're in a car on the highway moving faster than the train alongside you. Mm. Oh. A visual aid. Okay. Illusion or not, astrologers believe that during this time it has an effect on life here on Earth, which is where we live, specifically within the realm of communication and technology. Mm. In astrology, Mercury governs communication, travel and learning. For this reason, Mercury in retrograde is blamed for everything from miscommunication to technological bugs, botched business deals, misflights, a mechanical issue with your car or even a broken cell phone. There is no science to back up. <laughs> oh, but I love science. But, you know, there's no science to back loads up, but I believe it. So astrologers believe you should take extra care during this time. Take extra care to protect your electronics. Oh. Double check your flight times. Don't sign any business and avoid relationship defining conversations. Oh, goodness. I feel like this is so good basically, life advice. don't go outside. Yeah, yeah. Mercury don't exist. Is in retrograde. Just stay indoors. Drink some tea, have a bath. Mm. Don't look at anyone. Don't talk to anyone. Don't go anywhere. How long do I need to stay indoors for? Oh, good question. In 2019, Mercury's in retrograde from the 7th until the 31st of July, babe. My birth. I'm not staying in the house on my birthday. <laughs> I'm absolutely... I'm not having that. I'm not having that. My favourite thing to do on my birthday is, if it's good, sit outside and drink. I'm not not doing that. Yeah, but maybe you could... What if I miss things? <laughs> what, if it, what if it all goes pee-tong? I don't want to break down. Oh, mate, you just ruined my birthday. No, don't blame me. Right. Blame Mercury. So... What can you do? I'm glad you yeah. asked because there was five top tips. <laughs> I laugh as if I'm not fully immersed in this light situation. Take a deep breath. This won't last forever. Okay. Slow down. Take your time and pay attention to the details. Ooh. Mm. Take care of anything that requires re-evaluation and revision. This is a good way to channel this energy positively. Oh, so like self-reflection rather Mm. than like reaction. I could do that. Okay. Do you need to heal something from the past or connect to something from the past? This is a good time oh. to do it. No. Ooh. No, it's not. It, the phase gives us a chance to retrace our steps and revisit old ground. I'm not doing Nula's that. Nula's least favorite hobby. <laughs> yeah. In the time that I've been reading that sentence, you've crossed your arms <laughs> and hunched your back. I'm absolutely not doing that. Okay. 
And last of all, number five, observe, review and release. Remember to breathe. Yeah, you can observe, review and release for yourself. That's a good... Mm. Just don't go outside when you do any of that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just as a side note, and we don't have to keep this in, but I just want to read the titles of the... (laughs) Oh, these are good because you read them to me earlier. I didn't read them all. You didn't even get the best ones. At least please keep this in. (laughs) Okay. How to clean a smelly drain naturally. That's great and practical and everyone needs Are that information Are these articles in their life. that relate to Mercury and Retrograde? They're just at the bottom of the page. Okay. Read this next. <laughs> <laughs> I like stacking rocks, but here's why I stopped. Okay, this next one is like crucial for all Lush fans. How to pet a dog the right way. <laughs> I've been doing it wrong my whole life. I'm so oh, glad there's God. an article to tell me how to do that. This is so good. Something very big and very dark punched out in our galaxy. You're gone. Oh God, this is this is fun for me. Like okay. these titles. This is gold. Um, these simple te- these simple. <laughs> I didn't read this out before because it's just pure I'm going to support you. I'm going to support you in getting this out. Scientists discover a new form of ice and it's like nothing they've ever seen. (laughs) I feel like we need to move on. I can't. She's gone. There's one more. There's one more. I'm about to lose her. (laughs) Let's just let me read this Okay. Okay, this is it. Drum roll. And then we'll finish. We will finish. At least this year it wasn't as bad as AD 536, the worst year in human history. <laughs> what happened oh, in AD 536? What oh, happened? I don't, it was a, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, I'm not sleeping tonight. I am reading all of these articles. I can just confirm for you cannot see for the magic of the podcast <laughs> that Olivia is actually in tears oh, at God. how hilarious she thinks this is. Wow. The, I just um, feel like I've got to know you way more. This is what you live for. This is why you get addicted to coffee and don't sleep. It's just, it's just reasons like this. Anyway, reasons to live. So <laughs> what we're going to do now is play the rest of the clip and we're going to find out Hillary's second product that okay. she would take on the desert island. Amazing. <laughs> My second product, I think, is... World Peace. World Peace Bath Bomb. Can you explain what it looks like, what it smells like? I don't know if well, you know, I th- everyone's I guess familiar I'll, with it. I guess I'll fess up as to why this is in here. This is a bit of, this is a bit of, you know... Self-congratulation, patty oh, on the backy. Okay. Um, because I, I've worked in lots of jobs. Like I said, I've worked for Cosmetics To Go. I've worked for Lush right from the very first month. Um, so I've done lots and lots of different jobs at mm. Lush. But for many years, probably about seven or eight years I did R&D where I would um I would work on the products that the the founders were doing all the inventing in those days there's a few other people inventing as well now but in those days it was still just them and um but obviously they need people to take it from their invention up to up to the factory production scale mm. so that was me and then it was me and wesley then it was me wesley and so Morica. you mean they would make a couple or have the idea or and write make it on an envelope and then you have to somehow figure out how can we make this in a larger scale yeah in the how can we make several sell? thousand of these yeah. at once yeah rather than one little tiny one in mo shed um and so i didn't invent the products but i worked on them a lot but i, I i'm Credited in, and probably slightly unfairly, credited in in the Lush Times back in the day for inventing this one. But but what what it is, World Peace is a 
bath bomb. But it was me in the days, in the very early days, Mo had a bath bomb called Slammer. Mm. And it was a lime fragrance bath bomb. And it was yellow and green. And you threw bits of the colour in into the mould as you were, because I was pressing the bath yeah. bombs at the time. Um, there was two or three of us working in the factory. It was a very early product. And you'd throw bits of the green, bits of the yellow, just handfuls. So every one of them looked different. Mm. And while I was pressing them, I used to think, oh gosh, if this wasn't yellow and green, if it was blue and green, you could really get it to look like the planet, to yeah. look like planet Earth. Yeah. So one day when Mo was coming through, and I didn't know her terribly well, I stopped her and I said, have you ever considered doing one of these, yeah. yellow and green, so that it looks like planet Earth? Mm. And we could call it Disappearing World. Uh. Because, you know, I was already an environmental protester long before I came to Lush. And I, Bit you know, depressing I, name, isn't it? Well, that's what she said. <laughs> well, yeah. charming, both of you. Well, Thank no, you. I mean, I get your point. Thanks for crushing my creativity. No, I get the you. idea, and it's kind of like, um, you know... Well, I had visions that, you know, you could drop it in the bath. And it disappeared. You could watch it slowly disappear mm. and think, oh, shit, that's what we're doing to the planet. And then step out of your bathroom and, and just... do something feel... about it. Yeah, but not everybody <laughs> would do something no, about it. They just stay and, in there forever more. you know, I've learnt over the years that that's not what baths are for. Baths are for relaxing and things and, you know, no, escaping from Baths are good for inspiring and, and, and things yeah, like that. they're good for inspiring, you know. but probably not too negative. I agree. But anyway. So there was a name so, change, was there? Well, nothing happened at all. And then it oh. popped up months and months and months and months later. Absolutely ages later. And Mo said to me, and she'd obviously told um, Sarah McCartney, who used to edit the Lush mm. Times back then, because I didn't tell Sarah McCartney. She must have said, oh, this was an idea from uh, that girl in the factory yeah. with the long orange hair. Yeah. So I was credited in the in the Lush Times back in the day for having having, having been the, the, the thought process behind mm. that. But it was called World Peace. And they took my P. idea I. and went further. Yeah. Well, originally it was Peace, P-I-E-C-E. I, and yeah. later we reissued it as World Peace. Yeah. Um, as in and then, for, and then, it, what drives me crazy is forevermore we end up with like both versions all over the about place. Whether and who's, it should be spelled peace yeah, or peace, but either way, it's a piece of earth. It looks like a globe, you yes, know, the beautiful it looks like blue earth. with sort of green bits around. Yeah. And then, what I like, and about then they it is, did that wonderful thing with the fragrance, where you know, again, nothing to do with me, and I can't take any credit. Mm. But when Mark and Helen went to make the fragrance, yeah. they thought, wouldn't it be nice to have elements of of essential oils that are grown in different regions around the world to represent that like little planet that you've got yeah, in your hand. A bit of yeah. from all over. So there's, you know, something yeah, from here, Yeah, we've got pine, um, tangerine, peppermint, cypress. So it's, it's, it is quite an uplifting, I think it's quite an uplifting perfume, that one. So I think there was, an ingredient from, there was an ingredient that's traditionally grown in China. Mm. There was something from North America. Yeah. There was European ingredients. You know, you name it. Every continent was... Yeah was represented. It's very refreshing, I think. I like the idea of that bath bomb. Mm. Disappearing world. I like the <laughs> idea of it, not the... No, I oh, like yeah. it. I want it. I think that's class. Activism in the bathroom. Mm. I'm all about it. All about it. We've talked before about our desert island products. Have we? If you run a desert island and you can only have one Lush product, not five, one. Suntan lotion. When you say suntan lotion, though, I think of like... Fake tan. You mean sun cream? Like SPF? Oh, yeah. Like protection? Yeah. Yeah. 
You blow my mind no, every day. Fancy. You blow my mind every day. I'd take sesame because it smells still like... No, I'd, maybe I'd take the powdered sunshine because it is my favourite of the sun care. Okay. I see, I didn't... I didn't think about SPF in my head answer, but now you've said that, I want to go with that because, let's face it, look at me. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know, I have the reddest hair and the palest skin. So if I didn't take some sort of sun cream... It's game over. Yeah. Okay, so that was an obvious one. But speaking of the sun care, do you know there's rose in it? In what? In the sunblock, there's rose absolute. Because it's calming on the skin and rose yeah, gives rose away Yeah, rose is redness, very soothing, isn't it? Isn't it? Mm. Do you know what blows my mind, though? How great plants are. Mm. Like, that's a flower and it helps your skin. Like, that's redness. mad. Yeah. That blows my mind. We have so much to thank for plants and stuff. Yeah, walnut infusion, which is also in the skincare. Just, yeah, I've just, <laughs> I've just located something in my brain here. <laughs> Works with your body to encourage skin to produce melanin. Your skin's natural defence against sun damage. There you go. I mean, I'm like the type of person, like, I don't just have to put sun cream on. I have to also like cover my skin and be like under an umbrella. Inside. It's inside in the basement. Um, The next clip is from Charlie. Oh, big up Charlie. Whoop, whoop. And he talks about road verges. Don't know what a road verge is. I, okay. Oh no, go on. Do you know? Is it not the bits of grass beside the road? Oh yeah. How do, how, how do people know these... Where do you learn these things? Life. So I'm just going to let Charlie introduce it and then I'm going to cut to a clip that is of particular interest. Awesome. Most of us are aware now that biodiversity, the total variety of plants and animals in a habitat or landscape or planet, is in decline. Plant biodiversity here in the UK has especially suffered. Wildflowers have been lost from huge areas of Britain, and so have the pollinators and other invertebrates that depend on them. And of course, so too, the birds and mammals that depend on them. Conservationists are having to look to protect what's left of our wildlife in areas that may not be optimal, but nevertheless hold a surprisingly important range of flora and fauna. Along with our gardens, one of those areas are our rural road verges, those largely county council-owned strips of land next to our roads, which, according to the UK charity Plant Life, make up a network that is equal to half of the country's remaining flower-rich grasslands and meadows. My name is Charlie Moores and I spoke with Dr Trevor Dines, Plant Life's exuberant and infectiously enthusiastic botanical specialist about the charity's excellent Road Verges campaign, which has been running for a couple of years now and is having positive and hugely encouraging results. You've mentioned overall biodiversity here, and that's the really important point that I hadn't considered that plant life was considering, because it isn't just about flowers, is it? it's about invertebrates, it's about small mammals, it's about reptiles. Yeah. These verges have literally become a nature reserve. Yeah, they have. And you know, you look in the context, you know, I mentioned the other side of the farmer's field, you know, over... 97% of, of wildflower meadows have disappeared from and, and species rich grasslands has disappeared from a landscape since the 1930s. Yeah, which is a horrible now, statistic. Yeah, if I said to you and said, you know, oh, it's 97% of our woodland has disappeared, there would be a, a national yeah. outrage yeah. about it. This yeah. is we're talking about 7.5 million acres of nectar and flower rich habitat that's gone 
that's why verges are, are so important is because we've got fragments of those left um, on our verges and I think you know the figure that we calculated is, is is that if we put all of our verge habitat together it would be twice as much as our scheduled protected grassland that we've got left in the country oh, no, it's a frightening thought and you just I saw that yeah, yeah, a... where, where, where has this habitat gone yeah, and, and yeah. it just shows you how important the, the these verges are so yeah I think in that context of the wider landscape yeah we've really got to to, to remember you know, the other side of uh, of the hedge is 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 a barren you know desert at the, at the moment. Um, so for bees and for invertebrates and for butterflies, all of these other other things, the verges have become very very important. And you know, we're working with with organisations like Bug Life and Bumblebee Conservation Trust, uh, you know, to work with them to put these pollinators back in. Plant Life works to to put those foundations of our ecosystems back in place. Right. You know, we often say you know rather possibly rather tritely, you know, put the plants back and everything else follows. But it's actually true. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah. you know, and we're not talking just about pollinators here. I've become really interested in, in the role that plants are playing as, as a food plant for a whole range of other invertebrates. So you'll often see on a roadside verge flowering um, sort of through the spring and summer a little thing called bird's foot trefoil. Yeah, lovely yeah. little pea-shaped flowers on it. You know, yeah. There's a lovely orangey-yellow flower on it. Um, that single species alone is a food plant for over 160 different species of invertebrate. Mm. And you just think, okay, in the context of the wider landscape, if we can get more of that species back in and the other ones as well, yeah, they're not just providing a uh, resource for, for, for our pollinators, but they're doing a huge amount of that, that sort of ecosystem sustaining as well you know plants are literally that you know they're the only things that capture sunlight and and pump energy into food chains they're the only things that do that so without them you know they really are the beating heart of of, of most of our habitat how crazy is that that verges like that blows my mind 7.5 million acres a bit of grass beside the road that we just think oh it's a bit of grass beside the road it's like so important to yeah. our ecosystem. That's crazy. And bees and stuff. You love the bees, I don't love you? the bees. That's mental. And I saw there was a project a while ago, like, uh, you know those seed bombs? Oh, yeah. Like, we should, that's cool. <laughs> we should do that's those. Cool. Yeah, they are cool. But more wild plants. And also, like, wildflowers are great. Why would you not want them on the side of the road? We want them everywhere. They're beautiful to look at and good for our little crawly friends yeah totally and also how great is it there's a project called bug life yeah i love it do you remember that film a bug's life mm. i watched that kid. not that long ago and ants they came out on the same yeah, time very interesting similar. comment on capitalism really isn't <laughs> <laughs> and i think the patriarchy yeah yeah definitely mm. definitely um yeah no that's pretty inspiring want to know more about that yeah and you can find the podcast on the lush player the full full podcast okay Plants are so great, and we're so horrible to them, like humans. Not me. I'm. I well, you, to my... <laughs> you are queen of the plants, but I mean, as in like cutting down like, like natural kind of areas to like build human stuff. Like, stop it. Yeah, that's a, a word to all the people. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Let, let us have our verges. Okay, so remember earlier when I asked you your favourite things about summer? Mm-hmm. Can you choose your top two that don't involve drinking? Uh, okay. <laughs> top one, beach. Beach. Top two, eating outside. I like eating al fresco. So, what cocktail best would best accompany those things? But, as we are lush It's a life, lush cocktail, isn't it? What 
product what product or mix i already feel like our product is a cocktail because it is a mixture of ingredients that's very true so what and of course i know you're thinking beach you're thinking big blue but is that what you want to drink is it a bath cocktail no it can be it can be any product as a cocktail Okay, I know. I oh, know. Oh, great. That was easy. Ocean salt, because you're going to have that margarita. Are you no, oh, margarita yeah, so vibes. Close. Margarita yeah, vibes. Yeah. Okay. Which Oce- you have been consistently saying for days. I, I love a margarita. a margarita, yeah. So, uh, ocean salt. Then I need to mix it with something really juicy. I love juicy, but mm. the flavor is not. It's not the product. No, you're not drinking a shampoo. I'm not drinking shampoo. I love juicy and ocean salt would give me a sort of margarita, mm. senorita. So you're mixing them two together? Aye. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> That's me now. Um, actually, That's I didn't now. think I should have thought. I'll tell you what. One of my favourite things was weeding outside and grass and stuff. So probably just grass as a cup. But then it would just taste of... Yeah, that's crap, isn't it? <laughs> it just tastes of grass. Okay. So... That was a great game. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, so it's summer. Talking about su- summer of love in a nice way. And then, of course, it is Pride Month. Oh, okay. Yep. So one thing is, okay, maybe the most annoying thing about Pride Month slash weekend slash day mm-hmm. is that it seems for a lot of people it's the only time that they talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so me and Nula in the past, just referencing you to you. Thank you. Um, I've spoken about how frustrating that is. Yeah to be kind of, well, like, allocated a time to be proud of yourself. Yeah. And so we were like, do we also want to be the people that talk about it at this one time of the year? And then we decided no. Mm-hmm. And then we thought maybe yeah. <laughs> and then we thought no again. <laughs> and now I think we've gone with yes. We've gone with yes, but we also have the voice of someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, talking us talking about what they're talking about as well yeah so we basically decided that we didn't want to we didn't want to jump on the one minute to be proud bandwagon but we also didn't want to not be part of the conversation that um is surrounding our identities yes especially as two two queer women Mm -hmm. i think it's really important that we have a conversation about it okay so of course we've established that one thing that's annoying is there shouldn't be a limit to when you're proud of yourself so we were talking a lot about alternatives to pride mm-hmm. and alternative spaces, which is still really important. Yep. And we have a clip from the very fabulous Beezy Alimi. I love Beezy. We love Beezy. We're like fangirls just, for Beezy yeah. forever. He, so the clip is from an episode of Activism in Existence, which is a series that seeks to uncover the individual story and their experiences of being an activist, how they've changed the world and how the world's changed them. And it's an in-house lush... Podcast, podcast on Lush Player. Yeah? Yeah. And so Beezy is an LGBTQ plus rights activist. He was the first man to come out live on television in Nigeria and he na- has set up the Beezy Alimi Foundation, which you can visit org. And he talks about being an angelic troublemaker. Um, so we're just going to play the clip, but before we do, he talks about intersectionality, which I just want to explain because not everyone knows about it, but... Yeah. In, and I'm going to get it from the part of my brain that makes it sound like I'm reading off my laptop. <laughs> Intersectional theory asserts that people are often disadvantaged by multiple sources of oppression. Their race, class, gender, identity, sexual orientation, religion and other identity markers. So it, the term was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw, a law professor and social theorist, in a paper demarginalizing the intersection of race and sex, a black feminist critique of anti-discrimination doctrine, feminist theory and anti-racist politics. 
But I think it's becoming more widely used and has been so important in the conversation around acknowledging that one person's oppression isn't necessarily the same as another, even if they share that one experience, yeah. one like facet of it. So here's Beezy Alimi talking about his, well, it's the first question is, who or what has influenced you and given you strength in your activism? The person that has really, really influenced me has been Bayan Rustin. So I always have to tell the story of Bayan Rustin because every time I mention his name, people go, oh, who's that? And I was at a gay event and I mentioned Bayan Rustin. And people were like, oh, Bayan who? I said, Bayan Rustin. I said, oh, we don't know that. And every time, most of the within the gay setting that I mention his name and people say they don't know him, I just feel like there's a fairy or an angel dying somewhere because this guy was so cool. And I also use his story to make people understand how white privilege works. Because when I said, do you know having milk? People would shake their heads and say, oh yeah, yeah, I know having milk. But when you ask people, do you know Bayan Rustin? People like, mm. And it's very interesting because Bayan Rustin was a black gay man that came before having milk. He was a black gay man that organized the march on Washington, the biggest civil rights march in the history of America. He was openly gay in the 50s, 60s, America, and he was leading the black movement alongside Martin Luther King in Jim Crow America. This guy could have just hidden his sexuality, but he wasn't going to. He was the one that introduced nonviolent activities to um, the black civil rights movement. He was also very close to Malcolm X, though they have different approach to activism but they were very close. He played a huge influence. Even if you read the story of Martin Luther King, he was the one that actually took Martin Luther King to the state that Martin Luther King was. And at that time when gay sex was illegal in the US, where you could go to jail for it, this man was living his life openly as a gay man. He was involved in the case of Rosa Parks. He played a prominent role in Southern America, I must say Alabama and all those areas, Georgia. He was always arrested. He was beaten so much so that the White House and the FBI framed him, blackmailed him, and kind of almost destroyed his life. And this man said two things that changed my life completely. One was when he was talking about his struggle, and he said, we need in every bay and every community a group of angelic troublemakers. And I just said, yes, that's me. Recruit me, recruit me, I'm here. <laughs> and that was what I... I kind of like realized that, oh, wait a minute, this is my calling. I'm called to be an angelic troublemaker. But he said something else again that I found very, very powerful. And that was when it was about to be expelled from the black civil rights movement. And he made a speech and he talked about, for whatever you want, I want you to know this. I will never compromise my blackness for my gayness. Neither will I compromise my gayness for my blackness. Because in doing so, I'm compromising me. And I was like, oh, gosh. This man is my God. You know, it just played a huge role in the way that I see myself, in the way I relate with myself, the intersectional world that I live in. And then while I was going through that, I came across Margaret Mead. And then Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a group of committed, thoughtful individuals can change the world. If ever, it is the only thing that I ever has. And I was like, this two should just have sex and give birth to me. And, you know, they just, the two of them, Margaret Mead and, you know, Bayan Rustin and reading them. And then James Baldwin as well played a role in me understanding a lot about myself. So these people formed the core of my activism. Though I was an activist before I discovered them, they validate my struggle by coming in contact with them.
Wow. It's just so incredible because to me that's that's pride. People whose existence and how they live their life and the good that they do is in itself an act of rebellion and therefore represents pride more than any day where some people wear rainbow flags and march down it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, And there is something absolutely beautiful about pride and the solidarity of numbers and people coming together and having you know, a day where we celebrate. Visibility, yeah. But pride is, it's every single day. Yeah. And someone like Beezy inspires me as an activist because he lives his pride every single day and that's how we, sh- how we as a group of people should keep going and that's how we should find our inspiration to keep going not not by big corporate companies trying to sell us rainbow flags yeah and I think I definitely think there's I mean I I was in London around pride and I I thought wow this is it's good for young people to be around this and then I thought but what's frustrating is that like if you're involved in this area of activism and the conversation it's like your busiest month of the year and then you're like oh and now and I know that it's something that Lady Phil, who actually set up Black Pride, which was the day after Pride, and it's something that Beezy's involved with. She's she was like, I'm busy. I I'm black every month of the year, not yeah. just for Black Pride Month. And so, I think that it's important to have visibility for, but I think that that visibility should extend every day or yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I also think I know that. Um, do you think? Sorry to interrupt you, but do you think what? Like, do you think that that is the point of Pride, though? It's trying to encourage more people to have that strength to to be like that every day of the year. Do you know what I mean? Or It's hard because it's been so commercialised in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I think you have to be careful when you are involving people who have a different agenda than you do. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're looking to... Um, we're looking at capitalism to justify sexuality which is real blurred lines of whether or is it actually progressive for that to be mm-hmm. part of the conversation and how much does that limit us and also like how much how much impact does like queer visibility have if we're still re- restricting how much visibility there is around intimacy between same-sex couples yeah I think that's that's something that I'm personally at a point where I'm thinking a lot about how mainstream culture has adopted a lot of queer culture and there's much more like queer representation than there used to be but it is still around the aspects of queer culture that exist as a result of wanting intimacy and and in these spaces but the intimacy is still like left behind so it's because it's like almost that step too far or something do you know what i mean like which in itself it's also is... it's still the bit that the mainstream culture yeah. isn't ready to digest so yeah, yeah, it's yeah. still left out and that makes me think even if you're representing queer culture without representing without representing same sex intimacy then are you really representing queer culture or just the stuff that existed in the first place the thing the mainstream aspects of queer culture that is are adopted or a byproduct of same sex intimacy and we the mainstream culture is happy to take that byproduct and still expect that the intimacy is like behind closed doors like in the underground bars or different places like that I'm actually really thankful to to BC for just sharing because he's so inspiring yeah you know and he he, he always he's one of those people that's always like check this out or listen to this or read this you know he's like Mm. fountain of lovely knowledge that I want I want to learn lots of things from him so thanks BC thanks BC and also thank you Nula oh I'm grateful for you to you about you 
I'm grateful for you too. I'm really grateful that we get to share amazing thoughts and feelings about stuff on a podcast. I'm really glad that that happens. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Nula. Thank you for a lovely being chat. A friend. <laughs> Thank you for being Travel I feel like we've talked about a whole plethora of summer magic. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a very varied conversation. Do you know what we should do? What? Finish and go outside in the sun. Okay. Bye. Let's do it. Bye, friends. Thank you for listening to the Lush Podcast with me, Olivia Graham, and my host, Nilla Davy. Oh, yeah. Today's episode was edited by Elise McKenna with music by the Fresh Handmade Collective. For more information on today's episode, check out the links in the description below. If you like what you've heard today, don't forget to subscribe. And if you'd like to hear more podcasts by Lush, you can download the free Lush Player app, available for both Android and Apple.